God is interested both in people on the streets coming to know him and in those people on the streets having medical care, mental health services, and housing. Welcome to In the Room with Communitas North America. It's a time when we invite you to enter our world for a brief conversation and to hear more about what we are passionate about as a missional and microchurch network. We also hope that these conversations will inspire you to think about new ways of being the church in North America. This podcast comes from the audio of our In the Room webcast on Facebook and YouTube Live. We started the webcast a year ago, so the first season of the podcast will include some catch-up episodes from season one of the webcast. I am Leon Longard, the team lead for Communitas North America. My co-host in these conversations is James Cola. In this episode, we talk with our friend and colleague, Jeff Schaefer, about the topic of justice and his work in Santa Barbara with friends experiencing homelessness and other marginalized communities in his city. We hope you enjoy this. There you go. Hi guys, this is In the Room with Communitas. My name is James and with me is Leon and Jeff. Um, We are just happy to represent Communitas today. And we really hope that these events allow us to connect with each other about the church and mission in our each of our contexts. And we also really hope that these conversations serve to like encourage and inspire and provoke creativity in the church. Yes, and you know, wherever you're at, um, as we start to pick up viewers, um, join us in the conversation. Um, ask type a question in the comments and we will towards the end of the this facebook live we'll ask questions of jeff that people have submitted through the comments section but we're going to get going here we're talking about today um the church and justice and i remember when i first met jeff jeff works with uh communitas in santa barbara um he has been doing a variety of work among homelessness uh, people or human trafficking, uh, dealing with refugees and a number of other areas of just things that a lot of us are concerned about in Communitas, a lot of us are concerned about in the uh, in the area of justice. And before we get into the actual conversation, I did want to acknowledge a couple of things here. One, I'm just going to acknowledge the obvious. You know, we have this time we're talking about justice in the church, and we have three white males talking about justice. And we realize that... Um, really any good conversation about justice needs to have a diversity of voices. And we are hoping to revisit this topic. We've chosen a format where we have one guest each time, but we're hoping as we revisit the topic of justice to bring in more diverse voices. And we've also, I think each of us on this um, call and on this interview have had our own parts where we, our own journey that we've gone through in the area of bringing more diverse voices into our lives to help inform our own experiences around the issue of justice. And what we'll do in the comments a little later, I'll post in some comments of some different resources each of us have found uh, helpful when it comes to 
um, talking about and understanding the issue of justice. So um, I'm going to start by just introducing and giving Jeff the opportunity to tell his story a little bit more about um, what he's done there in Santa Barbara, his connection with Communitas, anything he feels led to kind of leading into this topic. Well, thank you, Leon. Thank you, James, for having me. And thanks, everyone, for joining us on the, the call. Um, I joined Communitas uh, when it was still Christian Associates um, in approximately 2005. And during that time, it was the time of the emergent church. So there were a lot of uh, younger people that were uh, leaving the kind of the evangelical church model at the time. And I'd been a youth pastor at my church for years. Um, so many of my students were coming to me and talking to me about reasons why they were exiting the church and no longer involved. Um, and I was going to become the interim senior pastor. So um, I began to have conversations with them about why they were leaving the church and um, all kinds of various reasons came up. And as our church was looking to hire a new senior pastor, um, I was given the opportunity to do ministry within a local coffee shop on State Street. If you've ever been to Santa Barbara, State Street is kind of the heart of uh, downtown Santa Barbara. Um, and so a friend of mine had purchased a, a coffee shop and he had offered for me to start a ministry there um, in order to reach young people um, who were kind of done with the church. And so I had organized that, uh, new senior pastor came on board. I ran that by him. He said, yes, it all sounds great. But then that all changed about six months in. Um, and he said, Jeff, you need to figure out a different way to do this work. Um, and so you have six months to figure it out. So at that point, I was friends with Darren Jones. They were in France. They were working with Christian Associates. I, I had run this idea around various other churches in my city to try to figure out what they want. Would they want me and my vision? And they all said no. Um, Christian Associates. Uh, I had an interview with them. Um, I, Darren said, you know, I, I work with Christian Associates. They might, he said, they might be interested in you. So that's what he was phrased. <laughs> but when I met with Christian Associates, um, they were the first people to say, Jeff, you're actually on the right track. Um, what you're seeing in Santa Barbara, it's a trend we've seen across, you know, uh, Europe for years, for decades. And so um, I came on board, started racing support, goal at that point was to start something new working with young people and god redirected my path when i started a meal sharing with some former westmont students some grads um, with people on the streets so my goal at one point was to start this kind of new kind of church with young people and god redirected my path when um i started this meal sharing at pershing park with gator and shaky and irish and all these people that were experiencing homelessness and started to make spaghetti and salad and um, grab from my own house and go out there every Wednesday night with a few friends and just hang out. I didn't know anything about homelessness, but just started this meal sharing friendship oriented. Uh, we coined the term friends without homes because it became really a relational community. Um, that became kind of my, what church was with, for me and with me and with community. At that point, Christian Associates Communitas that began my Christian community, really. So that kind of started to engage me in what injustice. So I feel like God began to change the path for me um, to look at um, 
what's happening in the city of Santa Barbara around justice, what's happening with marginalized populations, what's happening with some of our Latinx families, our refugees, homelessness, human trafficking, um, where is the church engaged or not engaged, um, how are systems working um, or not working for those who are on the margins. Um, so really, that's kind of my initial journey, why I got engaged in justice in the first place is because God redirected my path. Uh, didn't really go to school for it, don't have any kind of degree related to justice. Just kind of like everything else in my life, I learned as I did. So I don't know if that gives you enough background, James, for kind of how I ended up on the justice track. Yeah, that's great. Um, from there, I would love to ask just, why do you think the church, how do you think the church has a role in pursuing justice in their communities? Yeah, I think, so if I think about my history, so I've been a part of the, before I was with uh, Comitatas, I was a pastor within Baptist church and, and evangelical covenant church. So I've been a part of the evangelical covenant church for a while. Um, and I think that the focus has always been evangelism. The focus has always been winning people to Christ um, and bringing them into the church and discipling them and raising them up so they know who God is and you know how to serve God, which I think is a great thing. But I, I think evangelism is a part of a larger theology, which is a theology that I'm pretty sure most people on the call know about, which is the theology of Shalom, right? Seeking the holistic well-being of your neighborhood, of your city, your community, your nation, your world. And I think when I think about shalom, it's, it's much more all the way the scriptures than just evangelism. So God is interested both in people on the streets coming to know him and in those people on the streets having medical care, mental health services, and housing. It's not a, it's not a one or, an, or the other. So when I was raising support for for my work, I would lose some supporters because they'd say, Jeff, why are you always talking about people on the streets needing housing? We just want you to win people to Christ and not worry so much about their housing. And I would say a few things. Number one, it's coming from people. So as a part of Communitas, we're talking about incarnation all the time, right? Immersion, understanding your culture, that before you reach your culture, you can understand, you have to understand your culture. So usually this is coming from people that don't understand homelessness culture which is a majority of people on the streets are already christians and they've already they have a maybe a stronger faith than i do they don't need me to come to them and develop within them a stronger faith sometimes they do but a lot of times i need them to develop within me a stronger faith Amen. but they do need housing they do need um i think we as house people tend to forget that how our spiritual health, mental health, physical health is tied into our housing. And if I, you would take housing away from me, how well would I be doing spiritually? How well would I be doing at all? So I think we, if you take the theology of Shalom into mind, it means that God is equally concerned with those things. And that's where I think the church has potentially got to reorient itself around Shalom and not around just evangelism. Um, and I don't think we can be, be concerned only about the spiritual health 
of people. I don't think that's God's heart. I could argue from scriptures, the way Jesus worked with people was he didn't always start at the same place. Sometimes it started about their physical, their emotional, their spiritual health. Um, he was concerned about all of it. Yeah, I'm just gonna, you know, chime in and I just echo some of the things you said because it really, really stood out to me where you talked about how many of the people you encountered on the street were already Christian. We're, and it's even our faith can be encouraged and grow when we encounter people that typically most people in society look down on and say, oh, that's, they're not, um, they're not up to our level and we got we got to help them out or whatever. And I think there is a lot we can learn from people spiritually. When I, having been in those same experiences of working with people living in camps and on the street, there's a lot that we can learn from people. And so I appreciate that about the way you've approached this. I was just going to say, yeah, I really think the perspective that you're bringing that I enjoy such like general safety and I like my needs are met and it's hard for me to consider the struggles that come with not having those needs met and what, how would it affect my relationship with Jesus if part of my like constant thought was am i going to be okay sleeping tonight and like am i going to be able to feed myself so i just really i appreciated that provoked i think we create these we create these polarities between science and faith right between i mean maslow's theory of just you know the most basic thing you need is shelter right for your for your survival and your well-being and we may not see that as necessarily Christian, but but recognizing that that we don't have to have all these polarizations between um, what psychology might teach us or what um, science might say, as well as our spiritual heritage uh, from Christ. Um, he's given us all these things, so so I think that's really that's really important. Um, and, I, and I would have to say that when I was kicked out of my church, right? So basically that's what happened. I mean, I'd been there for about 13 years. And when I, when I left uh, trying to be on as bitter terms as I could, I lost my housing, my spiritual community and my medical care. I lost everything right in order and then started to build it back up through raising support and everything. But that street community became my welcoming community. They became my people, right? And that's the way I feel about people on the streets. It's, yeah, I I have this approach. I have something to bring, but I'm also equal. Um, I share humanity. I share Christ with them. They can share Christ with me. It goes both ways. Mm. I think that's healthy just for any any church in, in dealing with any population. Yeah. Um, I would... Love to know what direction you would offer to to an individual who's like feels convicted about getting involved in justice work in their community, but doesn't know where to start. Yeah, I think that there are 
probably agencies or organizations within everyone's city neighborhood community that you can join in that are already doing good work i feel like it's not something you necessarily need to start for yourself um i think i was uneducated i mean when i started my work right i could have probably just joined in what somebody else was doing but i i didn't have the the wits about me to to do that and i was just being directed by christ in some ways in things that i did intuitively or by relational connections that happen. But I think the best thing for people to do, first of all, when I work, with, so I do a lot of work with Westmont students and what I ask them is like, historically, is there any people group, any justice issue that you have always felt called to? You know, it could be climate change, it could be homelessness, human trafficking, immigration. Um, and then begin to begin that to look for agencies and organizations in your in your community that are doing good work. And don't look for just volunteer opportunities. Look for, really look for places that will train you, engage you, um, debrief with you, where you can have community within these different places. Does that make sense? Because I feel like just volunteering and showing up somewhere for two hours may not bring life, whereas if you go to like the rescue mission and talk with the rescue mission leadership and say, hey, I wanna work with you, but I need to be trained and I'd like to have a debrief opportunity that I'd like to do it with a community that's here already and not just show up and serve food. You know, look for opportunities where you can kind of dive in more relationally to that because I think it's more life-giving. I think that's really what I've, I've learned. Um, and we don't do things that we don't wanna do. So if, if you're not, called to it or energized by it or love to do it, it won't last. Um, so being guilted or shamed, um, we use this term, we don't, don't should on yourself. You know, don't, don't feel like you should do something or be shamed or guilted in doing something because you won't, it won't last. It's got to come from your giftedness, from your calling, from who you are. Um, and doing justice work also doesn't mean that you have to be on the front lines. You could write about it. You could, you could take photos. You could write it. You know, there are other things you can do with your gifts and talents. That's good. I really connected what you mentioned, just like what you mentioned about training. There, I think anytime I approach something that I don't know how to do well it is almost like nearly impossible to find joy in doing it and i think i was when i was working with you in santa barbara i was so overwhelmed early on by the like task of like befriending people on the streets and finding common grounds and e even like what do i do when someone like tells me they want housing or they're like interested in housing like those just like simple things and it wasn't until I had spent a lot of time with people who were part of Uffizi, that is now SB Act, with them like showing me how they were doing the same kind of work, where I was able to like, oh, I like really enjoy this now. Like, this doesn't feel like a scary thing. It feels like something I can take joy in. Mm -hmm. So that that whole piece that you said about like connecting with an organization and making it more than just like showing up to volunteer for 
however long a week is a big deal. <laughs> um, how, how do you think leaders can start to guide the community around them in taking part in justice work? Um, so leaders, you mean uh, specifically church leaders? Yeah, that's probably the best example. Yeah, yeah. And even maybe um, people who don't perceive themselves as like a pastor, but like people who like are leading small groups or <laughs> just have influence in their faith community. Well, I mean, first, so if I'm thinking about, if I'm thinking about just basic, basic, I don't know if the term is parishion, now I'm totally dating myself with a term like that, probably, I don't know. Um, but the the average person in the church, I think, so, so Alan Hurst said, so when I was looking for with Christian Associates, when I joined Christian Associates, I was on, I was, I didn't want to start a church, right? Which was a controversial thing within Christian Associates at the time, because I didn't want to start something that, um, gosh, I wanted to start something, I wanted to do something a little bit different. I didn't, I didn't want to just, I didn't feel like Santa Barbara needed another just church, right? So I read Forgotten Ways by Alan Hirsch, and the Hirsches really began to be the kind of team that helped me understand how to kind of, how to creatively create different kinds of church in culture using that missional DNA kind of idea. And that the greatest challenge, and I believe this, the greatest challenge to the church is consumerism. The greatest challenge to the church is the 80-20 principle, which is 20% of people doing the work and 80% sitting and taking in church as a service. And I think that justice work, I think that the younger generation is particularly looking right to do things. They are antsy about, they've heard it, they've heard it, they've heard it, even though they might only be 19 or 21 or 25, they haven't heard it as much as we have, but they feel like they've heard enough, let's go do something. So I think that finding, finding agencies or organizations that are already doing something and joining them or working with your young apostles or prophets or people that are ones that tend to push the church out and creating new initiatives is the way to energize people to be active, to kind of challenge that 80-20 principle, to reinvigorate the church so justice work to me reinvigorates the church. I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I'm going to go this direction anyway. <laughs> the reason why I'm such a big believer in the in the justice work is because I feel like so many people have an educational idea of who God is, but they don't get to see God at work all the time. So God becomes a concept, and and not something you necessarily see at work in your city. But when you get out there and you do justice work in a in communitas, right? The whole idea of communitas is community in in mission. I mean, that's why we are communitas. So that develops, it reinvigorates, it reinvigorates faith. 
So I think that leaders have to step mm. out of the comfort zone, find these organizations and agencies already doing it. And if not that, create new missional initiatives. I mean, there's so many things you can do if you, if you engage people at parks, if you engage, uh, I mean, I, I did work with the Turner Foundation at the Village Apartments where I created kids clubs and programs within apartments, right? There are so many initiatives you can start or organizations you can find and you can join and bring people into doing the work. I'm still very much concerned about the numbers when it comes to the amount of young people leaving the church. And I think that if we can get them to live out their faith partially by doing this justice work they and living out their giftedness, they will stay within the church because they're active. Um, and that's been proven to me by my work with interns, by my work with Westmont students, when I take them through, I don't know how many people have gone through Alan Hirsch's APES kind of test, but when they find out, are they apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, are they teachers or are they pastors? And I engage them in how to use their giftedness, whether that be in the church or in culture, in justice work, they get excited and they get reinvigorated and they begin to see who Jesus is actually in motion. I, I kind of also term it orthopraxy doxy. I think that Jesus's model was go out and do it and then come back and talk about how this reflects in the scriptures. Whereas we have taken people for years and taught them through a teaching model an education model, but they haven't necessarily had to go out and do it. So there haven't been, hasn't been any necessarily practice with the doxy. That was a lot. I rambled a little bit. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. I valued that a lot. Oh, Leon, you can, you're good. No, no, go ahead. No, I was just saying, yeah, it was good. Oh. <clears throat> can I try to repeat some of that back? Just like bullet yeah. points? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, big things I heard and really liked in that. One is when the church is involved in justice work, you get people to quit being like just consumers like they start doing and you move away from a model that has like a very small number of leaders and a lot of consumers and to a model that you have like you just have a lot of people doing what jesus is inviting them to do and i really liked that the other thing i think is so important that you said is when we're involved in the pursuit of justice in our communities we get to experience God at work. Like we get to see God like healing relationships, providing, and that is, it makes faith feel alive and invaluable. So I, yeah, thanks so much. <laughs> you know, I think, you know, off like our planned questions, but you, I'm thinking about this and be, you talk about all the things you were doing in Santa Barbara and we often think, well, we need to be a big church or a mega church to be able to do all this stuff. But majority of Communitas communities, and I don't think yours is different. Uh, we're pretty much micro churches. And so, I, so I mean, how does a small church, how does a small community get involved in this way? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I've probably been on the smallest end of, churches and communitas from the beginning. 
Um, I mean, now I'm a part of, I, we have a house church called Margin, right? There's about 12 of us, right? And so yeah. what do we, so this is how we've organized Margin. We meet two times a month in our community, and then we do two times a month in Communitas. So the goal is, yeah, we'll meet two times and we'll talk about stuff and we'll worship together and we'll go through scripture. And then two times a month, we're all going to be out there doing justice. work. So we naturally integrated it into our vision of how we live life. And so that's how a small community in my mind does it. It doesn't have to be the exact model, but it has to be, do we really believe? So if, I'm, if I really believe in Shalom, then then that's an idea that I am going to be interested in evangelism. I am going to be interested in justice. I'm going to be interested in all of it. So it's kind of, it's kind of helping um, strategically making sure that that's in our DNA of all of our, of our local church again. And I do think that it really only is possible in, in smaller, in smaller numbers. You can be a mega church and, and and still send out small teams and do this kind of work. But like at Alameda Park, where James has been, right, working with people on the streets, with Brad of Life, with Westmont students, the average number of students that come down and care for people at the park is 10 to 15. You really can't get beyond that, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's a small number of Westmont students. Westmont is 1,200. So maybe I will have 40 to 50 from Westmont come work with me with people on the streets per year. Yeah. Now I'm trying to expand that. I mean, some of the stuff I'm doing at Westmont College right now is we're going to be taking hopefully every every sophomore class through the APES test every year now, which means I'll be able to work with students, helping them figure out their giftings. And those people that are apostolic prophetic, I'm going to be trying to help them move into the city and move others into the city. And pastor shepherds, pastor shepherds are going to be people that care for other people doing, you know? Yeah. I, I think that that's really the way God, and I think everyone would agree. I mean, I'm not speaking to anyone. I think we would disagree, but that's kind of the balance of the church we're all looking for. We, mm -hmm. it, we still need care and, and teaching. You can't just leave that, but we need to balance it out with action. That's good. That's good. Well, you know, I think you should. Oh, go ahead, James. I was going to say, I, just quick, I think we should share a link to 5Q, uh, Hirsch's book on APEST in the comments afterwards. Yeah, I'll put it in there. Sweet. Yeah. What, you know, when we do this type of work, and, you know, we've been doing it here in Indianapolis for quite a while, too. Um, it can often be challenging and kind of a long road, but then there are also times when we're encouraged by stuff we see happening. What are some things that are encouraging you in this area of justice right now? I, I think for Santa Barbara, we do see, I think we have, um, we have 11 local churches now involved with us at the Alameda Park kind of meal sharing. Um, so they have come alongside and, and, been working with us now for a long time. Um, we just had a, a city of Santa Barbara and faith communities summit where we had a couple of council members meet with faith communities and talk about how we can work together. Um, I think to me, that's the biggest challenge. It's the polarization that happens amongst all of us. And when I think about homelessness, right? 
my mantra is no one wants to see homelessness. No one wants to be impacted by homelessness, whether you're the business owner, the hotel owner, the resident, the person experiencing homelessness, no one, no one wants it. So why is it that we have so much of it? I mean, if there's, if there's an issue like this and no one wants to see it, same with human trafficking. Human trafficking is an education issue um, because people don't think it's happening locally, but no one wants to see that. Again, why are we not organized? What's the polarization? What it, oftentimes the, so I'm hopeful in that, you know, trying to to work with all these different partners in Santa Barbara, which is why for me, I didn't want to just create, I knew that I'm an apostolic prophetic leader, right? So I knew that I, I, I didn't want to just create a church for me because I knew I needed to work with the city and the county and the business community and all these other partners. I knew I needed to have time. If I'm going to tackle homelessness, I can't just do it as a church because the church doesn't have everything that's needed. I mean, when you think about Obamacare, right? When we all of a sudden for the first time had healthcare for people on the streets, right? That didn't come from the church. That came from the federal government and we needed that. Um, so I think that I'm hopeful in that in our, in our own locale that we're, we're seeing kind of everyone working together on some of these issues because God, the kingdom of heaven does not, you know, that what we pray for is as in heaven on earth. There's no homelessness in heaven. It is not the vision of God for homelessness on earth. There is not, it is not the vision of God for human trafficking on earth. It just isn't a part of who he is or what he wants. So, to see, to know that God's behind changing this, that God's given us. When I look at, man, if you look at Ephesians 4, read Ephesians 4 later, and you look at what God wants to do through the gifts, right? And you realize that that prophetic gift mix is, is the gift mix that primarily is gonna call out, call upon justice to be done. And that that's God's heart. It should be no surprise to us that, that, that he's behind it. So I, I feel the wind of God pushing us saying, hey, I, I'm energizing this, I'm behind it. Um, and James and Leanne, I don't know if that's the same for you. That's the only thing that I can lean on um, when oftentimes you see these issues um, of injustice and you feel like the poor are always getting the short end of the stick. No matter what mm -hmm. you do, yeah. no matter how many people you house, I still have 60 people every Thursday night at the meal share. Yeah. Even though two people get housed this month, there's still all the other people in line. Um, and so if you look at it that way, it can be very depressing. But if you look at it from what you see God doing and the slow progression that you have to do um, while you're on earth, that's the way I get hope. That's good. That's good. Well, I don't see any uh, questions from viewers or comment in the comments. Uh, um, James, did you want to take? Um, yeah, Jeff, do you want to, do you want to add anything? Do we want to tackle our leftover question that we were going to drop? You can throw it out there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, one of the questions as I was like thinking of things that I wanted your perspective on is where's the 
church struggle to do this well. I think lots of churches are like desiring to get more involved in caring for their cities and the people who are marginalized and disadvantaged in their cities. But I also think a lot of churches have tried and been really discouraged with what has happened. So like, what would you have to offer that might prevent some of that for churches seeking to participate in justice? Yeah, and I know it's been a difficult time for churches during time of COVID um, in various different ways. So just trying to care for your own people can be difficult. And then in the midst of, I mean, think of everything that's happened over the past few years as far as um, polarization around issues I don't think should have polarization, right? Um, from the federal perspective, makes it oftentimes hard for us to work together on things. So I think there've been a lot of challenges. Um, I just think this is my this is my overall opinion. If you look, there's a couple of facts, just data points to look at. The numbers of young people, the numbers of church attendance is going down historically and still is. The widening gap between the rich and the poor in the United States is still growing. And so if we do not have a grasp on how to work with marginalized populations, the middle class is disappearing. If we don't know how to work with people that are on the margins, our churches will continue to not flourish because those are the people that need to start being in our churches. Um, we are, if we cannot speak their language, if we don't understand their situation, if we're not as concerned about their mental health and their spiritual health, if we don't care about their housing, if they look different from us and we can't figure out within our community how to help our community understand looking different is okay and how do we mesh together. Um, and if we don't figure out a way with the younger generation to hear them out and let bring some creativity into our church structure, we're not gonna grow. I mean, I guess that's my prophetic message has been pretty much since 2005 when I could see it. And now now it's just even more real. Um, and so those are some changes we just have to make. We just have to get out there again. And I, and I would only, I can argue it from Jesus and that from his life and how he, and how he did ministry with his disciples. Um, in that orthodox, orthopraxy, doxy kind of model is we have to get out there and rub shoulders with, with all these people we may not have anything in common with right now. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really good. Um, you know, as we're kind of wrapping it up here, um, I was thinking again about just the news cycle we've been in for this last few weeks between um, the shooting at Buffalo, the shooting at um, the Uvalde school. And I think those things go hand in hand in so many ways. There's when we, when we don't produce Shalom or we're not creating that peace, we become, we, we unravel into a society that becomes more violent and, um, and has more hardship. And we really need to answer, ask ourselves the questions why are these things happening? Um, and I think what we're talking about today with justice and some of the things you've brought about just kind of lean into that quite a bit, that if we're going to create a 
better society and a more peaceful society, we need to be creating a society and as the church be people who are promoting peace and shalom among those that are most marginalized. Because look at the communities that were affected by the you know these two shootings. A predominantly Latino school or very strong Latinx school, um, an African American neighborhood grocery store. I mean, those are some areas where um, the concern we show for justice really plays into how we see violence happening. Um, and maybe just thinking about it, we've been talking about this, we kind of talked about it a little bit on the front end. Let's maybe mention some of those resources that we talked about that, you know, maybe share. James, I know you had one. Um, some things where we can get more diverse voices into learning about justice and things like that. And we'll, we'll share these in um, the comments too. But Yeah, um, as this conversation was coming up and one of the things that was on my mind and was brought to my attention by one of our coworkers um, was just that like, we always benefit from a multitude of voices. And we were coming into this conversation as like three males who are all from European descent, which just means we're not representing the diversity of voices that we would love to be representing. And so, one of the books that came to my mind, a book that I really enjoyed, it's called uh, Reconciling All Things by a guy named Emmanuel Catagnoli um, and Chris Rice. And Emmanuel Catagnoli is a Catholic, um, Catholic man, he's a professor. He grew up in, I think he grew up in Uganda, but as a Rwandan refugee, if I'm remembering his story correctly and he has written a lot about i mean he has spent a lot of his career focused on the rwanda like the genocide had to happen in rwanda um and his book just comes from a lot of personal experience with division and the need for shalom in our world um super beautiful book and i think one it's an eastern voice which is invaluable i think a lot of times as people in the US, we like don't get to enjoy Eastern voices and he's Catholic and he's brilliant. <laughs> so um, that one I recommend really highly. Yeah. Uh, one that I've read recently um, and I'll get this. Look, do we have a, okay. anyway, one I've read recently and I'll get the link into the comments. I still got to look that one up. I don't have it uh, pulled up yet, but Unsettling Truths by Mark Charles, um, I think is really something to dig into deeply. Um, he's a Native American uh, believer, been a pastor, uh, is now doing advocacy for uh, people in the Native American community. Humble, gentle spirit. Um, but he's pretty honest about the history of the theological history of the doctrine of uh, discovery, it's called, and how that has played into the things that have happened with natives. And he starts to call us to a good conversation around how do we, where do we go from here? Realizing um, that Native Americans have been uh, take, taken advantage of so greatly um, through the history of our country. 
And the other one, um, Might for the Margins by Dr. Uh, Dennis Edwards. I think his middle initials are because all his handles on social media are Dr. Dre. <laughs> so, but uh, he, um, he wrote a great book about how, as an African-American pastor who's worked in multicultural situations, how can he, um, how he's seen that really power sometimes comes from the margins and there's a lot, marginalized people can do a lot to um, bring real change in, in our world because so often we chase after power and um, sometimes the strongest voices come from the margins. Any other recommendations you'd have, Jeff? Or? No, I think you guys mentioned some great books you could read. Um, Shalom by Walter Brueggemann. And I think mm. what you're talking about, um, the whole idea is if you seek the shalom of your neighborhood, it becomes yours, right? So if we don't do it, it does come back to, to bite us in some way. Um, if we're not thinking about the general well-being of our communities, our neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. um, so not a surprise by Jesus saying, you know, you're the salt and you're the light. And that's the role we play. And that means we have to explore where the salt and the light is maybe perceivably missing, though I don't want to come to the judgment, right? Because like I said, you know, people living on the margins, like people on the streets also have something to give. It's not like we're always coming to give. We need to always come to learn as well, to have a learning posture. But, but we know where the places in our neighborhood where maybe people, other people are afraid to go. Yeah, that's good, that's good. Well, I think, um, you know, we're gonna kind of wrap it up here, but Thanks, Jeff, for joining us. I Thank know you. You have a really busy schedule usually, and so it's good to have you join us. And uh, everybody Jeff, who's yeah, and uh, everybody who's tuned in, um, checked in throughout. Glad that you joined us. Feel free again. Still drop comments or questions in the comment section, and we'll try to reply to them even in writing if we can. Um, also, join us again in two weeks. We will be talking to um, James's dad, Brent, and we're going to be talking about journey groups. Um, what, one of the things that we use for soul care in Communitas. So everybody have a good couple of weeks here and we will see you again soon. Thank you for joining us for In the Room with Communitas North America. In the show notes, you will find links to some of the resources we mentioned during the conversation. If you are interested in learning more about connecting with and working with Communitas North America in our mission of starting and shaping faith communities that love like Jesus in their neighborhoods, click on the link in our, for our website in the show notes to learn more and to fill out a contact form. You will also find a link where you can learn more about Jeff and the ways to support his work. We hope you will join us again soon. Mm -hmm.